Alrighty, we're back on the Emma Clayton Show and today I've got the lovely Joan with me. Hi Joan. Hello Emma, it's lovely <laughs> oh, to be here. Amazing, all the way from Canada. So yes. we are going to hear from Joan today. Um, <laughs> we were just talking actually about how we met. Joan reached out to me when I was early on in my coaching career because uh, we have this journey in common around our relationship with food and our bodies and um, I was studying with the Institute of Psychology of Eating at the time and Joan was interested and in thinking about actually applying to do the same course that I was on so we connected and we've kind of been in touch on on the socials ever since and when I started the podcast I just knew that I would get Joan on to have a conversation because I love having conversations around this topic because it is um, super close to my heart, a big part of my story, and I know it is of Jones too. So why don't you introduce yourself and we'll go from there. Oh, lovely. Thank you. Well, I'm just delighted to be on your show and really delighted that you and I have kept in touch, you know, periodically throughout um, the probably year, maybe, maybe more than that. Probably more than we, that, yeah. Yeah, more than that, maybe two since we connected and uh, so it's it's been lovely. So I am in um, Surrey, British Columbia, Canada and um, uh, have lived in Canada all my life except for bits and pieces of being in the UK. Lived in London when I was in my, in my teens, my late teens and early 20s and in the Channel Islands actually. So I was listening to your podcast, um, It's Okay uh, Not To Be Okay and you were talking about working at the bar at the pub. Mm-hmm. and uh, so I did that in the Channel Islands I worked worked in the oh. Longfree Hotel in the in the bar um, had lots of fun it was great anyway I digress <laughs> um, so I am a food freedom and body confidence coach and registered social worker and um, so what I do is I help women who are 40 plus stop dieting uh, stop binge eating and emotional eating really so they can be hundred percent in control of food rather than food controlling them. Mm. Um, and you know, there's lots that goes into that. You and I have, have talked many times or a few times about it and, and, and certainly our own experiences have kind of informed us of, um, you know, what that might look like and how it might feel, etc. Um, yeah. So that's what I do. And I have, I retired last June so that I could coach full time and I've just been loving it. It's been just awesome. Oh, I love it. Love it. Love it. And it's so interesting because um, I actually had another lady call me in the week off the Institute of Psychology of Eating directory. She was also thinking about signing up to the uh, mind body nutrition eating psychology certification some bit of a mouthful and I asked her do you know do you have experience with you know having issues with food and relationship with your body and she said no and I said it was really interesting that she was specifically looking to go down this route without having her own personal kind of challenges and um story with it so it's no criticism it was just interesting because I know you and I really connected off the back of our story so why don't you take us back a little bit and give us a flavor for some of your your backstory and why you've ended up in this specific line of work working with women and their food and body yeah so when I I'll start sort of far back actually because it it's a piece of the my puzzle um, I, I, when I was in my twenties and uh, just starting out as a social worker, I was 
connected with a woman who had taken um, coaches training. And uh, at, you know, in those days, I'm going to date myself here, but in those days, um, I think there was CTI was the only uh, coaching program in the United States and probably the world. I'm not sure exactly, but anyway, she'd taken the program and said, you know, Joan, this is an up and coming thing and you should do it. And I didn't have the time or the space or the money and, you know, just starting out and I was having children at the time. And anyway, fast forward to about 2014, 15, 2014, maybe I started thinking about uh, what I was going to do when I retired and knew that it was really important to create a plan for retirement because I didn't want to be someone who retired and then had nothing to do. That just wasn't me. So I thought about coaching again and remembered what Mary had said. And so I looked into some coaching programs and signed up with Ericsson International, which is actually located here in Vancouver. Um, they work worldwide, but, but I decided that I would uh, enroll in their program in 2015, because partly because they embed neuro-linguistic programming into their uh, training. Mm -hmm. And I was a practitioner, NLP practitioner, and um, and so I thought, oh, this is great. I I can uh, I can use you know NLP as part of the the training. So I started the training, and um, and then my brother was uh, kidnapped and murdered by international terrorists in captivity, and um, and then was murdered in 2016 in April, and you know, like all good traumas, you never waste it because first of all, you need to work through it, you know, and, and figure out what it's all about and how to move forward. Because of course it just devastated uh, mm -hmm. me and our family. And so, you know, huge, huge impact on us, not only from his actual murder, but also from the seven months of captivity. We, we all felt like we were in captivity as well. Oh, goodness, um, not imagine. the same. I, well, it was horrible, but I, you know, I carried on and went to uh, trauma therapy and, um, and it was actually my therapist who said to me, I'm so glad you're here because you should never waste a trauma, never waste it because so much can come from it. And so of course I did an evaluation of my life. What, you know, where had I been? What had I done? Who was I, who, who was I going to be going forward um, you know, because you can't help but shift and change as those kinds of things happen to you. Um, and of course, then, you know, then you look at all the traumas that you've experienced in your past, um, from your childhood, from your youth, from your adulthood, and, you know, and then looking forward into your life, where do you want to go? Who do you want to be? How do you want that to play out and look like, right? So I did all of that. And what came up, interestingly enough, one of the things, but probably one of the most significant things was uh, dieting. I had been a chronic dieter from the time, probably when my first diet was when I was 10. And, um, but prior to that, I think from the age of about two, uh, when I had, you know, had experiences with being inappropriately touched and uh, molested um, by, you know, friends, uh, children. And so that sort of, you know, came up as well. And I looked at all of that and food had been a really big part of my uh, way of coping. 
I turned to food because, you know, that was what was comforting. It was there, it was safe and allowed me to, uh, you know, to, to cope really. Uh, so I didn't recognize it. And I heard you say this as well, that you, you didn't recognize about your anxiety, but I didn't recognize my own anxiety for years. Mm-hmm. So looked at all of that dieted and uh you know got into binging and in my late teens actually when I was in England uh purged and spent you know lots of time binging and purging um and stopped the purging after probably about six months because I started to feel really unwell and you know it was it was an awful time um physically as well as mentally and emotionally uh, and but continued to binge, continued to eat emotionally, and um, uh, family stuff happened, and so there was lots of stuff around that. And so as I was looking at all of this, I realized that I had spent decades dieting, trying to get to a weight that I felt would allow me to be accepted, valued. Um, I could feel good in a a body that I could feel good in. And I realized that I had only reached a goal weight, a goal weight twice in my life Mm. and never stayed there. Mm. I couldn't stay there. So all the count points that I counted because Weight Watchers was one of the biggest uh, diet tools that I used. So Mm -hmm. all of the counting of points that I did and all of the tracking food and um, beating myself up and going to Weight Watchers meetings and just being so um, frustrated because, you know, here I'm listening to women like myself who are desperate, desperate to lose weight and just can't do it. Or if they do it, they get to their goal weight. And then within a year, they're back at Weight Watchers sitting in the meetings because they've put it all back on again. So I made the decision that I was going to stop dieting and um, started thinking about and reading about intuitive eating and uh, started down that path. So, you know, recognized that my body, I had no clue whether I was hungry or whether I was full or how my stomach felt or how, you know, how my anxiety played out within my body. And so I really went on a journey of, figuring that all out and, and working at it. Um, and um, yeah, so that's how it started. And then I, when I retired, um, because I had done the coaches training and it was actually during the, my brother's captivity, it was, I had started the coaches training and that was one of the things that kept me grounded. It kept me uh, moving forward and thinking more about okay, this isn't going to last forever. And I need to have something to go to and knew that I would be retiring in the next few years. And so wanted to make sure that I had had that, you know, sort of plan in place. Um, So I retired last June and uh, made the decision actually shortly after I'd I'd been to um, therapy that I would work with women who uh, struggled with what I had struggled with, which was emotional eating, binging, um, diet obsession, um, you know, just a, a real focus on trying to uh, create something that was never going to happen, at least for me, it didn't. And, um, and who really disliked their bodies. You know, I, w- I wanted to be in a position where I could support other women 
to work through how to become peaceful with food and mm -hmm. peaceful with their bodies. Yeah. Um, so that's how it all started. That was wow. a long-winded story. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, a, it's quite a story, right? I mean, I'm, I'm, I remember you telling me about your brother when we first met, and I'm, I'm so sorry to hear that. I mean, I cannot, it's unimaginable what you must have gone through. And it strikes me that the therapist that you saw, she said something quite profound in that statement that she said about trauma. What did she say? Never waste a good trauma. <laughs> so some people, I guess, may not be ready to hear that. <laughs> right. But yeah. but clearly yeah. you probably ran with that. And yeah. it strikes me that you and I are not alone. Right. In terms of I had no idea I got I was in complete denial when I got a diagnosis of anxiety when I was 33 34 and know that I'd been living with it since my like 10 11 maybe early teens um and a lot of women have no idea because we kind of underplay what we've been through in life right and we say it's no big deal and we say I'm over it and we say, well, it hasn't had a last impact on me. And I had such a good childhood and, 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 and all these, like we put a positive spin on everything. Yet what we don't realize is our body doesn't forget, right? So on a, yes. on a logical level, we may be able to rationalize what happened to us as perhaps children, whether it was, you know, quite extreme or whether it was like a more of a mild type of bullying, whatever it was, if it was traumatic, to the child, to you as a child, it stays in the body. Our body doesn't forget. And when we do something like using food, we're kind of suppressing that even further, right? We're, it's almost like we're using something to stop the, the feelings coming up. And I don't know whether you've seen that in the women that you've been dealing with, but I certainly know that there is a complete, it's not even denial, it's a complete unawareness of perhaps some of the things that have absolutely shaped who we become today right yeah yeah because it, it, it's never about the food emma exactly you know, it's, yes right it's always about what's underneath and what are you what are you swallowing mm. um you know what are you what are you pushing down as you said you know you, you you're using food to push down those those emotions those feelings those um those thoughts and beliefs that you can't, you just, you don't, you don't either have the awareness of, or you can't cope with them in the moment. Mm -hmm. And food is just such a great way of, of numbing, of um, uh, calming our nervous system, right? Because it's food does have an impact. isn't it? It's grounding. Mm. But it's then it's, it, it's complicated because once you swallowed all those feelings and those beliefs, you know, then you compound the issue because then you feel so shitty about yourself. Mm. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. Let's talk about that then. Yeah. Let's talk about this almost pandemic that we have in itself, right? In terms of dieting, the dieting culture we have. Um, I think there are very few women that come through their entire lives without going on a diet. Right. I, I had one, one of my best friends got to 41 before she went on her first diet. And then I saw her go from confident to basically feeling like she was out of control just from yeah. doing one diet because she gained a bit of weight because she was content in a relationship. Let's let's just talk a moment about this monster <laughs> that is out there. 
what is your view on diet industry culture what do you have to say about it what do you want people to wake up to about the diet culture oh you know um the diet industry is a multi-million billion dollar industry why is that because it works it works at keeping us uh on a treadmill trying so hard to lose weight and become a smaller size um fit in you know believe that we are okay only when we get to a certain weight body weight or look a certain way and it doesn't work it might work in the short term but i don't know many women who have been able to lose weight dieting and been able to keep it off without having to uh, do some kind of restriction uh, periodically, um, really watching what they eat. Um, and so there's all these buzzwords, you know, eating healthy, eating keto, doing all of those things. So we're set up for being on that roller coaster, that diet roller coaster, where we're, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to do our very best, lose weight, keep it off. And yet it doesn't work. Our bodies, our bodies don't allow us to, our bodies go into stars of starvation mode. Our bodies don't want to be manipulated like that. And there's a lot of stress and anxiety that goes along with that. So the diet industry uh, has been very smart uh, in their, their messaging to say that, you know, all you have to do is jump on this diet and you too will lose the weight and be able to keep it off. And, you know, I, I've seen this so many times with women I know and with women I've worked with um, and myself, as I said, decades of dieting. And so the, you know, the, so there's, there's a couple of things. One is that they, it really, really angers me that they've been able to trick us and take our money and our time and our soul and our energy. And secondly, that we buy into it, that we've, you know, we as women have bought into that whole paradigm of, you know, in order to be okay, you have to look a certain way, you have to be a certain size. And we don't recognize that, you know, there are all kinds of different bodies out there and whatever size, weight or shape you are, you are okay. There is nothing wrong with you. You do not need to be fixed. You do not need to change who you are um, and go down that path of dieting that creates um, so many mental health issues, anxiety, stress, overeating, you know, binging. The list goes on, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, absolutely. There's a few stats that um, I remember. They stand out quite prominently. <clears throat> There's something like... Um, less than five percent of the population of western women are the are naturally the shape and size that we see in the magazines i mean it is changing very slowly we are seeing mm -hmm. more shapes and sizes but but that kind of model like look that we're used to seeing less than five percent of women are naturally that mm -hmm. shape and size and yeah. yet the 95 percent go on this kind of aimless diet this aimless mission to become a size that they perhaps never will be right so there's there's that that's a concern to start with and then there's this other one that is 95% of dieters that lose weight will regain the weight 
over five years and yeah and I don't <clears throat> say that and repeat that <clears throat> to be all doom and gloom and I think this is this is the message that I don't know about you but I've kind of struggled with getting the sweet spot of that message that we are all of different shapes and sizes right naturally we are different shapes and sizes and thank goodness because what a dull world it would be if we all looked like those women in magazines right right Um, exactly but giving up like giving up dieting which you and I have both done um I think it's been five, five over five years now since I've even allowed myself to say the word that I'm on a diet um what was I going with that Oh yeah, giving up on dieting is not giving up on yourself, right? It's not giving up and letting it all go. It's not giving up on ever having like abs or slimmer body or getting into a smaller dress size. It's not giving up on yourself. Um, So how do you kind of give that mess? How do you deliver that message? How do you talk about that to someone when they're perhaps in that? Yeah, but if I just try that one more diet, then it might work. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, I, you know, I've also struggled with that because of course I'm in a larger body than I have ever been um, since letting go of, of dieting. And I know what it feels like to be in a slimmer body. So I, you know, I love that feeling, I, but it didn't change my life. It didn't change. The only thing it changed was that I got to buy smaller clothes. And even then I didn't really appreciate um, that because I kept, I still kept thinking I was too fat. It didn't matter what size I was. So how I, I, I approach that with myself as well as with clients is to talk about, well, you know, has what you've been doing worked? Is it working? And of course, the answer is usually, well, maybe for a minute. <laughs> and not. All right. So if you were able to take away the stress and the anxiety, <clears throat> if you're able to create a peaceful relationship with food whatever way that looks like for you um, create that peaceful relationship with your body and have that freedom around food and within your body Um, you know what would that feel like and and you know what would that give you that you don't have now Um, and for me the answer was very clear it was I wouldn't have to stress about food any longer Mm. I wouldn't have to worry about if I wanted to have a piece of cake because I was at my grandson's birthday or my own birthday. Mm. I could have, I could have a piece of cake and not feel guilty, not swallow the guilt along with the cake um, and beat myself up for three days afterwards and go back on a diet. And so there's a lot of freedom in being able to choose and, and choose from a place of peace choose from a place of um, uh, confidence, choose from a place of, you know, being able to say, no, actually, I'm listening to my body today. And I, I, you know, my tummy's not feeling great. So I'm not going to have X, Y, or Z. Um, Not because I can't, uh, or because of a diet I'm on, but because I don't want it. Mm. Yeah, right. And so it's that um, it's being able to step into a place of empowerment around food and not having the food control you, but you be in that position where you make the decisions um, because it's in your greater good. Yeah. And 
higher good to be able to eat whatever you choose to. And the second thing is because our bodies store our emotions and our feelings and our traumas, you know, wouldn't it be awesome if you could release those, if you could let go of the stress that you've either inherited from, from your ancestors or that you have experienced over time, um, you know, that would make such an amazing difference in how you felt about yourself, which then has an amazing difference about how you feel about food Mm. um, and how you feel about your body. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my goodness. We could open so many um, different little boxes here and go down them. So let's just, let's just think. Um, So you touched on then, and you mentioned it earlier, intuitive eating. So this is this is where we're actually just tapping back into what our body actually wants. And I, it, I was so surprised the first time I sort of said, okay, body, what do we fancy? And I heard Savoy cabbage. <laughs> I remember I was that. like, what the heck? <laughs> and so I remember that so well. And I also remember really craving apples. And it had been about two years since I'd had an apple because one of the diets I'd been on was counting macros and an apple was about 18 grams of carbs so when you've only got 50 grams of carbs that you can eat a day why would you eat an apple like quite frankly why would you waste it on an apple so I hadn't eaten carbs for that reason I also hadn't eaten um hadn't eaten apples for that reason I also hadn't eaten pizza or pasta or all the things that I actually quite enjoy eating now and again so talk to me about intuitive eating and how you've kind of embraced that way of kind of eating. Yeah. Well, at first I, of course I read the book because um, I was looking for something. I knew there had to be an alternative way of living. Um, I just didn't know what that was. And so I, I bought the book and I read um, Evelyn Rush's and um, I don't remember the name. Anyway, it's the intuitive eating book. And it made so much sense to me. And so I, I started really small. I started playing with what does my hunger feel like? And, mm. um, and when was I full? And they use a um, hunger scale. And so sort of I, you know, I sort of felt into that and tried to figure out what my body was, was needing and what the signals were because I didn't know. Um, so I started with that and, and then I started also thinking about the, you know, they talk about the food police and so, you know, it's our food rules and, and, and so I started looking at, at all the rules that I had created mm-hmm. and embraced 150%. And so I started then gradually unraveling that and thinking, well, who says I can't have bread? Who says I can only have two pieces of bread a day or who, who says, and, um, and so I started challenging myself with, with some of those food rules. And then I started to look at, well, I've got this voice in my head, this voice that is mean and um, abusive and disrespectful and tells me I am guilty of eating when I shouldn't and all of those things. Um, of doing things that, you know, aren't going to help me get to 110 pounds or 140 pounds or whatever it was I was trying to get to at one point. And so then I started looking at my beliefs and looking at that voice and, and um, <clears throat> talking to this voice about how I, I didn't, I didn't want that voice anymore. I didn't, I wanted that voice to change. 
and I wanted that part of me to um, to 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 be different. I wanted that part of, of me to work with me instead of working against me. And so I did a lot of uh, belief work and looking at my past. Um, and again, the you know the counseling, the trauma counseling helped me with that. I looked at my abuse because I I I didn't have the um, I knew that it had an impact, but I didn't realize, realize that it had an impact physiologically <clears throat> as well as emotionally and spiritually. So I did some work around that stuff. I then had to be really careful because intuitive eating could become kind of like a diet, you know, and then there's the shoulds. I shouldn't be paying attention to those rules. I shouldn't be talking to myself like that. I shouldn't be. Right? Mm -hmm. And so then I stepped away from intuitive eating and just focused on, you know, what are the rules? How am I speaking to myself? What are my language patterns? Because of the, you know, the NLP training that I've done. And I also added in emotional freedom technique. And so looking at all the variations of EFT that I've learned um, that, you know, can support really getting at the, the deeper beliefs that I have had about myself working through shifting and tr transforming those to more positive ones. So I have the odd day here and there where I, I feel I struggle a little bit with, you know, if I want something that's like chocolate um, or something that has, was on my bad food list previously, every once in a while I'll go, <clears throat> I shouldn't have that today. <laughs> and then I catch myself and it's the catching yourself mm -hmm. that gets to be easier and mm -hmm. gets to be faster. Right. Have yeah, you found that definitely. as well? Oh yeah, completely. Um, and yeah, sort of giving <laughs> yourself that permission just to have the chocolate and have it yeah. guilt-free, enjoy every morsel of it. Um, and, and I think for me, it was really the behaviors for me. It was this secret binge eating was my main thing. So when I, yeah when I notice myself sort of going down that slippery slope, which is kind of like planning where I'm going to drive via so that I can stop to get certain foods. And then when I can, like I can eat it and discard it, like that behavior, if I notice that starting slipping, I go, Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> What's going on here. It's just, um, it serves as a bit of a, not a red flag, but it's kind of like, Oh, there's a there's something else at play here and I think that's yes. been the fascinating thing for me which I'm like when that happens now it was like I've recently had um, a bit of a dip in terms of like anxiety through tiredness and just coming back out of lockdown and life happening right um, and I did a, a solo episode that you mentioned earlier around this but when that happens to me I'm able to go this is cool because I get to practice everything that I know now yeah. I get to pull out my tools. I get to see how I move through this. And so I, it, this is why I call it the inner game, because to me, it really is a game. It's no longer the work. It's no longer like laborious and, and something that I dread. It's not like that. I want to lighten um, the experience of it because it does get to be a bit of fun that you can have with yourself. So I do like um, catching myself. And sometimes I will laugh at myself if I'm saying yeah. certain things and I'll catch myself saying things that I would have said 10 years ago and go, oh, that's still there. OK, we need to do some work on that, um, on moving that through. 
but yeah, I I um I like I like I welcome it now. And I think with the feelings, right, the emotions, we can't um talk about this without talking about um the kind of emotional side of it, right? This sort of suppressing the emotions coming up with food, it's 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 a really clever way that actually as youngsters we learn to use, right? That works. It works, even if it's momentarily. Um so how have you so you mentioned emotional freedom technique there but how have you how do you work with emotions with someone that comes to you that says I know that I emotionally eat but perhaps doesn't know where it came from or how to like move through that like what sort of tools do you pull out of your toolkit yeah <clears throat> well <laughs> you took me back a little bit because I remember you know I remember going through um, my social work training. And of course, when we work with someone, we're trained to, um, you know, distance ourselves emotionally from somebody that Mm. we're working with so that we can contain what we're experiencing. And just like as a coach, you put your coach's hat on, but ultimately you can't stop yourself from feeling. And so, you know, I, I, it took me a while to recognize that I was very good at hiding my feelings and, um, because I was swallowing them with food all the time. Mm-hmm. And right. And so it took me a long time to sort of figure out how I would um, ex- be able to express my feelings and then work with a client who, who was struggling as well um, emotionally. So there's a couple of things. I think, you know, recognizing um, your in diet culture, <clears throat> recognizing that dieting doesn't work, recognizing the food rules recognizing um, how you have um, uh, squashed your own feelings. So doing some of that sort of work um, is really important and allows you then to recognize that you're actually swallowing those feelings and you could be expressing them. Um, And that, you know, I think people are afraid to feel. Mm -hmm. Um, And so one of the models that I work with about Uh, your behavioral system and how that all fits together. And I use the car as a a car, as an analogy to, you know, the the wheels of your car are your, the front wheels, it's a front wheel drive vehicle. So your where you have control is in the front of your vehicle. So that's in your thoughts and what you choose to do. And your back wheels are equally as important as your front wheels. Obviously, you know, when you're driving, you need all four of them. Um, And they are your, your body, your physiology, and and your feelings, and it's a, it's amazing to me that many women that I've worked with don't have a clue about how their feelings fit into um, their lives or into how their behavioral system works. Yeah. And so we talk about their their feelings and their physiology, their bodies as being their signals. And they are absolutely critical to listen to. So just even getting someone to recognize that piece and how you know important it is to listen to their, their feelings. And then what are they feeling? How, mm. you know, how do they know what they're feeling? Um, and so then if they're, if they're at the, a place where they really don't know what they're feeling, then we have to work through some of those things. Um, the, I think the other part, I find EFT and NLP really uh, beautiful to work with for connecting with the body 
and um, and being able to sort of open up the, the, the head and allow the head <clears throat> and the body to connect. Um, and um, so I use NLP and, and EFT for that. And I, because I've worked as a counselor for so many years, I have lots of other little tools that I bring out. Did that answer your question? Yeah, definitely. I think so. I mean, I remember how, again, when I was seeing my first therapist, she did some CBT on me. So that's like, what are you thinking? How are you experiencing that? And how are you, what are you expressing as a result? Right. And I could get the thinking. I could, I could tell you exactly what I was thinking. The experiencing bit was really hard for me to get my head around because you can't get your head around it. Right. It's in your body. No, you it's happening yeah. in your body. Yeah. So this is such as this is what I see is very prevalent in most of the women that come across my kind of um, work is I kind of joke that we're kind of cut off from the throat down. Yeah. Because we're so up in our heads. So, yeah. you know, and, and you've only got to listen to someone and the way they talk. They'll use language like I think or um, I think this, or I'm, I need to think that over and I'm going to think on that versus now I actually, I realize I use it and it's not even intentionally anymore, but I'll use feeling language. So I feel, or I need to feel into that right. um, because I've actually learned over the last decade, I guess, how to tap back into my body to get out of my head and into my body and just honor how I experience certain thoughts whether that's thoughts that have come up that have arisen from my own head or whether it's from an external circumstance or experience I can go oh I'm thinking this thought and I'm experiencing this like I'm flushing or I've actually my belly is like turning or I need to go to the toilet urgently or I'm, I'm getting like clammy or sweaty or I'm actually perspiring right now. Um, you can you can tell how you're experiencing it. And then it's fascinating to see what you do express next. And I think that was really valuable for me to do early on in my journey was to really start to go, oh, I'm thinking I couldn't possibly do that. I have no idea what I'm experiencing, but I'm experiencing anxiety because someone's telling me that's what was happening. But what I'm expressing is, yeah, sure, I'll do that. And you see the, you see the incongruence between all of those things. And actually when you can think a thought, notice where it's coming up in your body and actually express something that is rationalizing or it's actually considering all of that, all of the above. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm you get better outcomes for yourself. You sure do. I totally agree. I, I, you know, it, so when I work with somebody, it depends on sort of where they, where they're stuck, if they're stuck more in their head or they, you know, some people feel a lot and they get the body stuff, but they don't recognize, recognize the thinking Mm -hmm. part. Right. So it just really depends on on where somebody is is stuck in, in their mm. um, in their journey. Yeah. Ultimately, awesome. we want people to be in their bodies because that's where that's where the trauma, that's where the feelings, that's where the the energy gets blocked. Mm. And, um, you know, so we want we want that energy to be able to shift and change and and to be freer, you know, so that 
so that you can think about things differently so that you can, you know, what I love about EFT and NLP is that you can, you know, you can have a situation that was, you know, uh, difficult to experience. Um, and, and when you work with those modalities, you get to, to remember the incident, you get to remember that event, um, but you don't have the emotional attachment to it anymore. Mm. And that is so freeing. It's amazing. I tap every day um, and I don't use um, traditional tapping as, as much as I did when I started. Um, lots of different variations of it. And, and I use it with um, doodling and with drawing and with, um, you know, anger tapping and uh, just getting that anger out, getting those feelings out, uh, you know, and that can be anything that you're not feeling great about or that you're frustrated with or angry about. Yeah, that's definitely yeah. my my favorite go to is tapping on the anger. Yeah. Um, and I guess all this that we've just dis- we've discussed in the last sort of half an hour or so comes back to your first point that it's never about the food, right? <laughs> it's never about the food. Never about yeah. the food, never about the wine, never about the shopping, over shopping or, you know, anything really yeah. um, with any kind of, of um, substance or something that you're using to block how you feel. And yeah. uh, it's a great strategy there, you know, there, there's a, it's, it's a lovely strategy because food is such a great thing to be able to eat. And so what we want to do is just get rid of all the guilt and the shame and the, and the fear around uh, food so that you can have a good relationship with food and a good relationship with your body mm-hmm. whatever size you're at yeah amen sister so yes I could speak to you for hours on this topic but uh, I think we'll um we'll let it naturally close there thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom where can people find you so I can be found um, at uh, www.joanridsdale.com. Uh, I'm on Facebook as well. Uh, Joan Ridsdale, Wiser Woman Coaching. My, so my business is called Wiser Woman Coaching and Personal Development. And I'm also on Instagram. Not very well, but I, I'm there a little bit. <laughs> so you can find me on Instagram. Amazing. And um, thank you, Emma. I really appreciate and uh, value you and the work that you're doing in the world so uh, happy, really happy to be connected with you thank oh you. you too thank you so much for being here and um yeah absolutely looking forward to seeing how your journey um with your business unfolds as well and the work that you're doing with women so all the best there and thank, thank you. you so much for being here lots of love thank you